Hello, friends, and happy Friday. Welcome back to the Friday Conversation, episode 103. Since we've passed 100, I'm, it's easier for me to keep track of episode numbers now. <laughs> Much easier. But anyway, uh, so we're here today to discuss a few topics, one of them being Slipstream. And what is Slipstream? We'll find out. I'll find out because I don't know anything about Slipstream. So, Susanna, will you start us off with an introduction, please? Hello, my name is Susanna Imaginario, and I write a Slipstream, or myth mythological Slipstream. Slightly different. And I run a YouTube channel called Den of the Weird. Jose? Paramita. Whoever. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Paramita. I read a variety of books. Currently, my focus is mainly on literary fiction and classics. And I'm excited to find out more about Slipstream and talk a little bit about what I've read by mm. looking up on Google. <laughs> <laughs> and Jose? Yeah, I'm Jose. I run the Jose's Amazing Worlds channel where I do book reviews. And recently, I have cracking conversations with authors. And just to qualify Paramita's introduction, she doesn't read books. She reads all books. Yes, I think the <laughs> question true. isn't what books has she read. It's what books hasn't she read. <laughs> Go on, Paramita. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I have not read a lot of the books that show up on Slipstream list. So uh, that's, that's a starting point. Not yet. Not yet. True, not yet. But you already com com completed your Goodreads challenge and, and everything. I mean, come on. It, just, why bother setting a challenge anyway? Yeah. I I don't know. What to do. I, I, I like if if it asks me to do something, I just do it. That's not a, the best idea, but okay. <laughs> Read a thousand she's books not, this year, okay? Sure. She's she's got no self control, does she? Well, I don't know. Maybe she does because she she does get through a ton of books, and that requires a bit of self control. Or is it the opposite? I don't know. But, but anyway, just keep so, talking about yeah. her as if, as if she wasn't here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do that all the time. Now she's here, so we have to behave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> only good stuff, though. Only good stuff. <laughs> so, I guess we should start with what is Slipstream? Right. So, according to the internet, because I, I I didn't know this until way after I started writing. So it's a very, it, it's a relative new term. I think it was only coined in um, 1989 as a, as a genre. So it doesn't even have its own Amazon category. It was one of the things that I learned before publishing that um, no one, no agent would sign me <laughs> when I was writing in a genre that doesn't even have its own Amazon category. So, so that was, hmm. that was really what, motivating for me and um, it's it's very niche yes and it's kind of it's defined as a mix between fantasy 
science fiction and literary fiction. And uh, yet I think to qualify it has to have those three elements, but it's more than just a combination of those genres. It's, it's often described as a fiction of strangeness. Um, and mm. it's supposed to evoke a sense of weirdness in the reader, not quite as uh, the same way that weird fiction does. It's more, um, it's more like a, an intellectual workout with an emotional payoff. If that makes sense, you know, a, a direct path to human emotion rather than just, or, or together with the, uh, with the narrative. I think Parameter, in one of the forum posts, um, you'd describe it beautifully as uh, something as a magic realism for Anglophones, which I, I, I was laughing. So it's, it makes sense <laughs> in, a, in a very strange way because magic realism is, is so ingrained in the culture and the Latin language as well. So when you try to translate that into English, I think what you get is it's slipstream. We'll, I'll, I will try to explain this better later on. Uh, I have notes. <laughs> Very good ones. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so it you is prepare? supposed to make the reader feel <laughs> weird, to, to make the reader think about what he's reading and has an emotional payoff. So it's, it's, uh, it's the sort of narrative that only actually pays off upon reread. You're supposed to be confused the first time to have that feeling of uh, what the fuck. Uh, throughout, and then you only understand when you get to the end or when you read it again. So, does that help? <laughs> no. It's a pretty good story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, so, humor is. Uh, yep. No, no, please go ahead, go Susanna. Ahead. I can chime in later. Okay, uh, some of the key features is humor or they, they usually appear like very dark humor, satire, uh, wordplay, and there's a lot that it's um, inferred rather than um, described directly. It's kind of like in magic realism where you try to describe the, the most banal things in like in the mystical ways, and then the more... Um, met metaphysical stuff very realistically. Slipstream does that, but it's, it's more subdued, so it's a bit more between the lines. You have to, to read the narrative as a whole. Again, it's it's complicated. It's not for everyone, I understand. So uh, one thing that I was like, I've been grappling with this um, definition in my mind and I did not like what uh, I found um, on the internet. I did not like as in it was difficult for me to say that other than just write it down and reproduce it verbatim. But one thing that I've been doing sort of is uh, one of my friends on Discord and I, we are uh, reading this collection of stories uh, by an Argentinian author, very famous author, 
George Louis Borges and we have been doing one story a day and uh, this topic uh, of the friday conversation came up and it was at the back of my mind and then suddenly while we were discussing a story he he, he my friend used this phrase he said it's interesting but uncomfortable and mm-hmm. to me this is sort of uh, in this sort of in, encapsulates the feeling of reading a slipstream work and i genuinely say that in a very broad sense because that also means that because interesting and uncomfortable are both such personal experiences they are reader specific mm-hmm. that slipstream almost automatically invites the reader in into a collaborative <laughs> effort mm-hmm. with the creator yes. of the work and again i'm using work very generally it can be a film it can be a song it can be art it can be literature though today i think we will restrict ourselves to literature the other thing that uh, i mean i was i was trying to coin you know like a they say do a one line elevator pitch i think it is a literature of disorientation fundamentally yes. we want fundamentally this is counterintuitive because at least me personally i i love murder mysteries and one of the key features of murder mysteries why people use murder mysteries in the same uh, line as cozy is because it gives you the answer um why murder mysteries are cozy because on one on one end we have something as horrifying as a murder occurring in a novel and on the other side people say that it's extremely cozy i want a cozy murder mystery what does that mean it's not actually because it gives you answers that in a way that life just doesn't and for mm-hmm. and i love that i mean i love agatha christie is my all time favorite author slipstream is the entire opposite the definition is i said as i said it's disorientation it does not give you answers it gives you questions and possible answers but even that it's like hey like reader if you want to go your own way with this you go uh, the, your own the way the answers with come No, yeah, it, it, uh, I have a note about that. So it gives you answers. It, ma- it, it makes you think about it. it. It forces you to think. The answers come in hindsight, which is the most useless form of hindsight, if that makes sense. So it's, a, it's the sort of story that ideally you'll be thinking about it for years to come and eventually remember bits here and there that you then can use and uh, and you're right it is supposed to involve the reader um i designed my books purposely almost as puzzles uh, you you really have to put the pieces together you know if you don't you get a, a nice hopefully a nice entertaining story that it's a little bit vague and out there but you know it's all right uh but when you put the pieces together that's when you hopefully go like Wow. I I need to think about this for a while. Hmm. I also wanted to say one thing which uh like helped me think about this a bit just in terms of visualizing is the term slipstream itself. So without even going into uh, etymology just phonetically slipstream it has this mm-hmm. element of elusiveness in it. No it's almost something that you are trying to grasp some one is trying to grasp something tangible and it is eluding you 
and that is not for want of effort or not anything that you are doing wrong nor that the creator is doing anything wrong it is just that element of illusiveness is ingrained in the work itself it it is a feature of the work and as susanna already said it's designed to make you think and there is no limit on how much you can think or how long you can think for it and indeed you can choose to reject it outright you can choose to reject this collaboration and say uh, this invitation to collaborate with the creator of the work and say uh, i don't want to think <laughs> which i have done with works of slipstream but when it does when it clicks as i said it's a very personal thing so what i like as a good example of slipstream literature will be different to what susanna says to will be different to what steve says will be different to what jose says and will be different to for all the listeners we will find some commonalities but it is very very personal so i mean mm-hmm. that's quite in- interesting to me in in of itself but also to go into in the etymology if you think of clip stream it's, fl- it's i mean there's this element of fluidity it's almost something mm-hmm. that if you if you think about something flowing it is not something that one can grasp tangibly without realizing on mm-hmm. some extent that i have to let this go and it's sort of i won't call it surrender but i would say there is an acceptance required at some level um however superficially that i am not going to know everything and that's okay if mm-hmm. one can sort of approach any any uh, slipstream work like this it might lead to a more rewarding experience even on the first read otherwise uh, in my experience the most natural reaction is frustration like just tell me what you want to tell me but the author usually if they are in control of the narrative and if they are in control of what they are doing it is not that they don't know what they want to say it is that they don't want to tell you right away they have Mm-hmm. for example they have an idea a thought experiment a what if and the answer to that what if yes they have a particular theory but they don't want that to be the only theory that's not the reason why mm-hmm. they are putting out this work part of it is wanting the reader to come up with their own thoughts and maybe even reject the theory when they share their views at the end the other thing i think slipstream literature is immensely it lends itself to discussion to collaborative discussion mm-hmm. and i think we had uh, mm-hmm. one on the forum in fact uh, it was the house taken over by uh, the short story by julio cortazar so he he i would say his stories a lot of his stories he's more fabulous than what borges does but i i would say he, he would qualify at least some of his works would qualify as uh, slipstream literature but I, i mean again i'm you know these are all labels and we i'm, I'm keen to hear what others think uh, so uh, slipstream uh, outside lit, lit, literature is uh, defined i have it here as um, an assisting force drawing something along behind something else so our, um, another definition Google is my friend. A current of air or water driven back by a revolving propeller or a jet engine. So it's, but I, I do prefer the assisting force 
uh, regarded as drawing something along behind something else. So there's always a meaning. Uh, there, there's a story, and there's what there's the, the story that's behind the text. And if to to read it properly, you need to be able to abstract, uh, to to read between the lines, to listen to the words as much as interpret their meaning. And that's why anyone who tries to read Slipstream literally uh, will not get it. Uh, just if if they can't abs- abstract, they will not be able to get it. Uh, and and I noticed this with. Uh, you know, with terrible consequences. Um, you'll be like a colorblind person trying to fully appreciate a rainbow. You, you will never, will never understand. Um, you mentioned uh, House Taken Over. I, uh, so th- that's where I, I would not qualify at the Slipstream. It's, it's, uh, it's magic realism because that is the difference between the two, in my opinion. Magic realism focused on fiction, um, just just fiction, maybe a little bit of fantasy. Um, it usually doesn't have the sci-fi elements, or if it does, sci-fi, if it has sci-fi elements, doesn't have fantasy elements. And to be slipstream has to have the whole tree and um, a setting that it's usually um, in itself a little bit out there, a little bit of a sort of a dreamscape. Um, nothing that it's grounded in reality to begin with. Or at least part of the book has to be happen somewhere else. Cricket. When, when we, I mean, like now it's, it's such a, I mean, it's a fairly broad label. So I'm trying to think of uh, and I mean, I would request um, Jose and Steve to please join in because, I mean, you read a lot of different books. Are there any books which make you feel disoriented when you first get into them and then it sort of all comes together? Are there books where you feel disoriented and it doesn't come together and you still like the experience? I mean, just sort of trying to get a feel of how we, I mean, we may not know what it, whether it's slipstream or not, that is coming maybe later, because I don't know certainly whether what I'm reading is slipstream or not, but are there b- books which invoke that feeling of disorientation for you in a positive way? Jose, go ahead. Oh, God. Um, I think <laughs> this is... This sounds like a lot of effort and mental gymnastics. And um, yes, I think, um, you know, Susanna has mentioned that you're going to have fantasy, sci-fi and general weirdness and not knowing where you are and the emotional payoff and effort. And for some reason, we've ended up talking about magic realism that to me has got nothing to do with it because... Magic realism, the way I understand that, has got no sci-fi, no fantasy. It, it really, they're two completely different Yeah, that, that's why things. The, the difference. Yeah. It, it has fantasy sometimes, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from what I've read, and I'm, you know, I haven't read as much as many people here, but, you know, magic realism, I straight away go to, and we were talking before going live, 100 Years of Solitude by 
Gabriel García Márquez. And that has got zero fantasy, that has got zero sci-fi. It's just not that thing. Um, so, in terms, so, so I don't think I've read anything slipstream other than Susana's works. And then in answer to Paramita's question, yes, I've read not books, but short stories that have made me wonder. I think um, Carver's short, short stories and Chekhov's short stories have got that sort of, you know, unease. What's going on? Uh, you know, we discussed um, Cortázar's house taken over. But they're not a slipstream either. They don't have those elements that Susana has has mentioned. Um, I think from what I've read in the little preparation I did for the episode today, slipstream is kind of something that, you know, 1989, it's just too far out there. It's whatever wasn't sci-fi, whatever, you know, it's it's way out there and it's like nothing. I don't know, it seems like a, like a, like a catch-all term for things that don't fit into the existing categories. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, and, yeah. And I think there's very little of that unless you want to retroactively rebrand things as as lipstream. But yeah, I've read stories that have made me uneasy, not because they were horrible, but because of, you know, thematically what they were trying to do. You, you're wondering what's going on, and yet you don't get an answer, and you, you are left feeling a little bit still in the dark as to what's actually happening. But they know it's slipstream, as per the definition that Susanna has presented today. Mm-hmm. No, it is true. It's uh, it's it's been used a lot like that when when it doesn't fit in fantasy or science fiction or science fantasy or and it has then lit- literary elements to it. Um, it's then and people don't know where to put it. It's not horror. It's not romance. It's not anything. It just goes into slipstream. And so the and I mean, fair enough. There's hmm. very few people writing or claiming to write slipstream. I myself, I in a normal conversation, I would say fantasy because fantasy to me englobes, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it covers everything that it's you know fantastical. It's, it's just easier than try to explain. From the little bit of searching I've done, as as uh, you know, a few minutes before we were live, uh, the <laughs> the term slipstream it looks it sounds like it was coined in 1989, but it sounds like it's mm-hmm. been a thing for a long time. Uh, when I hear the definition, it, it sounds a lot like weird weird fiction, but it we have mm-hmm. some. It sounds a little bit more grounded and um, not as weird as weird fiction, but more of a speculative yep. speculative fiction and. Um, to, for me, the first thing that came to my mind is the older, like older science fiction, uh, the kind of vague older science fiction that I, I remember reading when I was younger, uh, from the sixties or seventies, it kind of, so I, I start to wonder, are so many sub genres a good or bad thing? I guess it's good for a reader who, who knows what they're getting into because if someone, if you write it, if you write slipstream and somebody reads it literally, they won't get it because they'll read it literally. So it, it does set a reader up or, or kind of lets the author part market to the right audience. Some people who are fans of it, but I wonder 
how many subgenres are too many subgenres and it, it does that make it harder as a writer and a reader to find what you're looking for whether you're a reader looking for a book does it does it narrow things down too far that and again the definitions kind of are different for everyone so it doesn't make it harder for you to market your books to the right audience and does it make it easier for a reader to find the book that they're looking for uh, by uh putting the label on it definitely helps the reader the reader who is looking for sleeve string to find it it's helpful for the author um it, it's just you're going to have to market as fantasy or mythology i mean that that's what what i do usually people who love mythology they will enjoy the book because they already have they they like fantasy, they like mythology, and they already have that ability to abstract. Otherwise, they wouldn't like mythology because mythology is way out there. I think it's the original slipstream, especially Greek mythology. So until it becomes more popular, I think it's the way to go. But as a reader, I would love to have a category and just go and search directly whenever I wanted to, you know, have a little bit of a... Um, a workout, you know, just read something that, read a puzzle. That's a, kind of how I define it sometimes. When, when I'm writing, it's, you know, does the puzzle fit? I, I'm always looking for that sort of books. And I found a few, very, very few. They exist. But they are usually marketed as either fantasy or science fiction. Sounds like a lot of boxes to check off. It sounds like there's a lot to make it some something qualify. But again, I guess it's a the definition changes. But it sounds like a lot of boxes to check to for it to be slipstream. One uh, one book that I, uh, first of all to answer your question, Steve. Uh, no, it didn't really help me because when I started looking for slipstream, I was like, ah, but this is literary fiction. Huh, but this is science fiction. Huh, but this is fantasy. Like I did not get, it did not help me additionally. Like the titles that I identified, which showed up on Flipstream lists, like just from Google, I did not do any very deep dive. But um, they, they, I mean, I've read, the ones that I had read before, I had read in a different context and it didn't help me very additionally to know that they are, that they qualify under this. And if you give any search, uh, automated search, that is, I mean, algorithm, forget Goodreads, but even if you give something like Reddit or one of those, uh, you know, literature map or things like that, so yeah, if you give them three slipstream books, it will not give you a fourth one which you want to read. It'll, it, it will go by author or by the genres, uh, Susanna and you, like, you know, fantasy or if it's sci-fi, then sci-fi. Like it will go by that instead of understanding that these three have this in common and show you another one from the fourth list, at least in my experience. So for me personally, it was not helpful when I searched. But I was going to say one book which shows up on all the slipstream lists that I have seen on the internet is Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. And yeah. I did not like this book at all. I mean... <laughs> It, it, it was it was the movie's weather oh my god ah, can you can you can we say that as book one? 
Yes, uh, and 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 I stand by it. It is it is my favorite movie of all time, and I'll get I I will oh. rant about it in a bit. Yeah. Oh, Parumita, oh. <laughs> just friendship is over. <laughs> I I mean I'm happy to rant about the book, but I don't want to. I mean I didn't get it. Like I'll be honest, uh, it's exactly what Susanna said in the uh, in the book. I don't know whether I read it literally, but somebody told me after I said I didn't get it. Somebody told me, Paramita, here's the structure. There's this particular structure to the book, and they told me the structure. So I was like, okay, now mm-hmm. they've told me the answer, so now I, can, I should go big. And I still didn't get it. I was like, why? Why? I mean, I guess, yes. Because it's why? fun. It's fun. It's uh, exhilarating. Made me no? want to cry. See, this is this is like this is the hey maybe we can add this as a feature to slip stream literature. It's incredibly polarizing. Like somebody is going to say I love it so much, and somebody is going to be like it made me want to cry. Oh well, this is a sample size of two. But I mean, has anybody else seen the Cloud Atlas film or read the book? Also, okay, you... so Susanna. And... No, I've I haven't seen the I haven't read the book, but I did watch the movie, and I thought it was. I I liked it a lot. I wondered why it was why it failed at the box office the way it did. And you liked it a lot, oh dear! I'm I'm losing two one. Well, I I don't know if I'd say I liked it a lot. I, it's been a while, um, but I okay. remember I remember liking it. I don't know if I liked it a lot, but I remember liking it. I remember wondering, like I said, what because a lot of I think there's Tom Hanks and Halle Berry and a bunch of people mm-hmm. in that film. Great cast, but it. It did strike me as something that most people wouldn't like, just because of the. Uh, it did. It did was a, a different type of, um, storytelling. I guess you could say. So I, I, I got why it wasn't as popular because of the way the story unfolded and, kind of jumps different places and it's kind of confusing. But, um, I remember liking it. Ah, so Steve does. Do you remember? I mean, I'm I'm purposely not asking Susanna because I mean she knows, but. Do you remember if the story went like, how do I say this? Like, does it go one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one? So five plot the lines, books, and then kind of yeah. The book, the, the yeah. stories are just divid- divided in two, and which makes it very easy. The movie it's better because they are all mixed. That's yeah, they are connected. Not um, mixed it up. Yeah, they even mixed the actors, made so it play different roles. Movie. It's it's beautiful, beautiful. So it's a masterpiece. The book is simple in comparison. And imagine, I did not get the book. What will happen to me if I try to watch the movie? But you see, the thing about the book, and it's reflected in the movie as well, it's not just because the stories are divided, but because they are written in different genres within the same book. With just one thread connecting them, that's that's the literary aspect, and then you. you... Does that make sense, Jose? You watch, you read the book or watch the movie? What are your thoughts? You're muted. You're still muted. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, I I read the book and I enjoyed it. It was um, I really enjoyed the sort of peeling the onion type thing and that sort of wondering where this is all going and not necessarily getting the answers to it, which kind of fits in to your definition. Um, 
So I found interesting the narrative structure. I found, you know, each story in itself was interesting, but then, you know, you sort of fall in deeper and deeper. I think, um, I just wonder how much is a attention-grabbing exercise, look what I can do. Uh, and if it's a little bit gimmicky. Uh, and, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and you know, I how much... So I, think I felt this so much. If if you are there first, like Cloud Atlas, I enjoy it. Would um, you know the one that everyone raves about that I didn't get? House of Leaves is that also Sleepstream? Because I didn't get that at all. I've seen that so, on list. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's read that book at some point, and some people love it. I did not. I didn't hate it. I just didn't get. The, I gave up after ten. I I gave up after ten percent of the book. So the, like, I'm not doing this. Anyway, Life is too short. The the next person that you can write another book like House of Leaves because the next person that does it, you're gonna go oh, they're copying. You know, is it? I, I can't remember the surname. So it sounds Polish, but I can, the, the author. And and the next person that tries to do something like Cloud Atlas is like oh, they are copying. So I, I don't know. What's the next thing? A book that opens up like a map type thing? I, I don't know. You have to get creative with the narrative structure. And I don't know if it falls into the gimmicky bit or not. Another book that maybe some of you haven't read is um, it's called S, or uh, also called... Oh, yes, J.J. Uh, Abrams. J.J. Yeah. Abrams, The Ship of Theseus, yeah. where you got a story in the book and then kind of handwritten on the margins, you've got another story. So you've got the story within the story, and the book itself has got like a, a little napkin that falls off with annotations there, and and, mm. and, then, and then it all goes a little bit meta because there's puzzles within the story that you try. So it works on three levels. The story that you read, the story of two students that communicate by writing on the margins of the page, and then it can engage you as a reader by trying to solve the puzzles that you encounter in the book. But again, no one can do that again. It's, it's done. So I, I enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. Except for House of Leaves, I enjoyed the other two. But, but it's done. The, the gimmick is done. Where, where, how do you move on from there? I don't know, but I, one thing I've that never I, heard I of that book, but I, and I wanted it. it. I need it right now. <laughs> it looks beautiful. This okay. Um, one thing that I wanted to say, which uh, is sort of related, which Jose pointed out right now, House of Leaves and S are both examples of something called ergodic literature, which Do Unicorns Read has made a video about. And that basically means that you actually physically uh, interacting with the text of the novel is part of the reading experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House of Leaves, it's very mm -hmm. obvious. And yeah. mm -hmm. The difference was... with Slipstream, mm -hmm. which is not there in ergodic literature, is it has to be text only. So what is there in House of Leaves, the formatting, you know, the, some parts are small, some parts, if you have the colored remastered version, then some parts are different color. Um, same thing with S, as Jose said, you know, you have things in the margins, the notes, the handwritten notes, and they're writing things to each other, all these things. Uh, Cloud Atlas is not Cloud Atlas is text only. So whatever has to be achieved has to be achieved only through words. It can be non-linear narrative, it can be all those things, but it has to be achieved only through words. The physicality of the 
act of reading is not a part of the experience necessarily of slipstream. It's psychological, I think. So oh, that's I... probably why House of Leaves and S mm -hmm. would. I mean, of course, you can count them. I mean, it's a very broad umbrella term. As Jose said, it could also be just like as, and even Susanna said that you know it was maybe just the 1989. Hey, we don't know how to label this. Let's just put this in slipstream. But um, it's like the much uh, one line thing is that you can read Cloud of Cloud Atlas as an ebook. You probably shouldn't with House of Leaves and um, S. Mm -hmm. I don't think an ebook exists for S or House of Leaves, at least as far as I know. And you definitely can't do them on audio. Cloud Atlas, I think an audiobook exists. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, exactly. And I think it exists as an ebook. Mm -hmm. I didn't get Cloud Atlas. I still don't get it. Um, <laughs> but, sorry. Uh, let me find... <laughs> But let me find the second title, which is on this erstwhile list, because I think this might be fun. Um, it's also one which was made into a movie. It's Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Has anyone seen the film or read the that book? That is weird fiction. It is weird fiction. I always thought it was yeah. weird fiction. But now it shows up on Slipstream. I mean, well, these are inter internet curated lists. So it is what it is. If it is slipstream, I love it. I mean, this is my kind of slipstream. Because Annihilation is in one of my top three. I, I thought it was science fiction and then, okay, weird fiction. But it's in my top three science fiction books of all time. It's brilliant, according to me. Now, I'm waiting to hear from someone who hated the movie or heard the book. Well, I'm reading the book now. I'm halfway oh. through. Please tell me you like it, Steve. I love it. And uh, yes. the the movie was okay. Yes, I mean uh, the purple bookworm who is on the forum will be very happy because this is like her favorite um, science fiction trilogy, and yeah, she has thoughts about the movie. Yeah. Yes. But uh, just to just there is no audiobook or ebook for S or House of Leaves, thankfully. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how sense. that would work. Mm -hmm. And S is I mean, on is half off right now on Amazon. But get the not on Amazon UK. Don't, don't get the paperback. Mm. There's only a hardcover available. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's pricey. But I've I've had it to my to my wish list. I can't buy it right now. I'm <laughs> broke. But I, I I've had it <laughs> for all its worth. <laughs> I, I love House of Leaves. I know it's, it's one of those like love or hate things, but yes, it's it's uh it's it's weird because you read it, and if you go by because we usually I think most of us go by how many pages did I read today, but you can spend an hour and a half reading and read read like ten pages in the book because you're jumping back and forth to the appendices and to footnotes and articles and you jump everywhere, so it's a whole different. It really throws you off um, from your normal the way you normally absorb literature mm. but it do, is do not for everyone yeah do you think i mean i would like to try it once but i i think somebody would have to tell me paramita stop getting in you know i want story and just 
go with what the author is doing like i would need somebody to body read or something with me but i wanted to ask steve do you think that the author knew what he was doing or was it more like you know this just came to me like was it inspiration or was it calculated like for you when you read the book oh it had to be it had to be planned because there's so many different things there's like coded letters and there's um hidden messages and there's the way the stories all intertwine between the two the two different timelines and all the footnotes and the the appendices and the articles and the the descriptions of i mean it, it's the amount of time and work that went into that is must have taken him years to do it it's really amazing I, I mean it's not for everyone no i mean i know some people just won't, won't like it that's fine but if uh if you can if you can give it a try like i'll, I'll yeah I'll, i wanted to read it again i just haven't had a chance but it's uh one of my it's just it's an experience for sure yeah you're nearly empty tbr means uh, we can start tomorrow yeah <laughs> um, jose i wanted to ask you the same question um when you read s did you feel like it was planned or was it more like if we go by the very familiar architect was his gardener approach was it very very architect or was there bits of were there bits of gardener in it no i think these things have to be very carefully planned there's no chance that something like s or house of leaves are are not planned you know you got to you got to put or, or maybe you can write in parts like something like s you could write the main narrative and then add on later at different places the second narrative but the whole thing is planned it's got to be you know it, it's just too complicated a job to not be carefully thought out nice. so is 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 house of leaves strips substream It's not on my internet curated list which is clearly the definitive answer to everything. <laughs> um no it's it's, it's a whole up, different thing. Yeah. Uh with the Siberiad which is one I have not read so I don't know anything about it. But Stanislaw Lem I can believe because uh like his other books I've read two of his books one is Solaris which is truly alien if you if I mean it is alien species done as they ought to be written if I want to quote a very uh, well known and possibly beloved author of ours um, so that's one book and then the other book which I read was so weird it was it was something straight out of kafka and my one of my friends recommended it and I was like what the hell is <laughs> it's called memoirs found in a bathtub the stanislaw lem goes very weird and you know that literature of disorientation aspect is certainly there but i haven't read the siberiad ah uh, what else is here yes borges has shown up i knew it the aleph and other stories so borges is one of these authors who's he's a part of uh, what do i say literature he's a part of our cultural consciousness but i also think that one thing where he sort of he he wrote only uh, a short form so he wrote short stories and he wrote essays and stuff so 
he didn't have he didn't write any novels and this was actually some because for me when i read borges when i read his stories that is the closest i get to feeling what i said interesting but uncomfortable like huh, where are you going with this i don't get it but it's a short story so that that discomfort doesn't last long enough for me to get completely <laughs> alienated one thing is i was wondering is how difficult is it to maintain and i mean now we can bring in magical realism or we can bring in weird fiction as well how difficult is it to maintain that sense of interest while not alienating the reader in a short story versus a novella versus a novel the so borel is the short story and there i think he's really the must i mean he immaculate but a slipstream novel i mean the one i found cloud atlas was just so is it hard to sustain like i'm talking about readers like me maybe i'm like tell me what's going on do you think the attention thing is a, it might be a factor absolutely if if your mind is not geared uh, when if if you don't like what you're reading like for example um when we talk about slipstream a while back um Jenny Wirtz recommended uh, light uh by John Harrison which I've never heard of so I went and got the book yeah and uh, yeah definitely slipstream and but um it i i i didn't like it because for me Uh, slipstream is uh, about um uh, the the themes that i liked in a slipstream novel let's put it this way it's anything that it's related to the soul or being human the mind free will creation all those metaphysical stuff and he was just um it, it was just the one thing he was to focus on sexual frustration and perversion i'm going to say it because the and it started very well and well in a sense i was feeling like uh it was almost like this sense of um aversion to the book but i was invested in the story because it had all those elements it was those super out out there and trying to figure it out how, how the puzzles came together but it's it very quickly that intense emotion over oh this this is really weird and really icky and just this character is just awful um it just wore me down because it was the same thing every character had that issue that drive behind them it wasn't about finding the meaning of anything it was just solving their own um rep- repressed sexualities and it is so even though the prose was great it, you know it carried the the story through to just um to to skill it just story wise it it break through i mean it it break down i'm sorry there there were bits in story there that i couldn't figure it out maybe i'm just stupid but i had the impression that they were just there to shock or uh oh, ain't this idea great i'm putting it here because it is is all crazy anyway doesn't need to fix to to kind of fit together and it's maybe it will be i think it's a trilogy so maybe it will be explaining letterbox i don't know um so 
yeah, just because it's my thing doesn't mean I'm going to like every book in it. And that one failed because it was just the one note constantly. Mm. And it needs to be a bit more varied. Yeah, it, I mean, very interesting because I liked light. You <laughs> liked I'm light? Very, very. I I really liked it. How? How? I, see, right? I know it's so weird because I should be theoretically creeped, and I was. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Chills. But uh, his ideas were good. I mean, they were very good. I, I would say they were very good. I mean, one of the key things and um, key things which he did with I liked a lot is Schrodinger's cat, which is this it's, uh, projected oh. as a fallacy of quantum mechanics because he's like, mm. um, so you have a cat and it's in a box, and until you open the box, you don't know whether it's alive or dead. So, how can a microscopic object being be simultaneously alive or dead? and the, it's a fallacy because quantum mechanics applies to microscopic objects so obviously when you go to a macroscopic level just apply it directly it breaks down um it quantum mechanics doesn't break down the applicability breaks down so that's the fallacy and he actually went right in with this trope head on i mean it is showing the cat experiment in action uh, in a far future setting and i was i was very very enamored by that but uh the next two books there was none of that oh you read them huh? yeah yes nova swing and empty space uh to answer you, <laughs> Susanna, no i didn't get any answers and the <laughs> creepy things got creepier so i just was creeped out okay. <laughs> i i like the name of the series though kefa huchit and it's a very very cool conceptually and i think this i agree with jose a lot where he said how much of it is the author pulling off this intellectual gimmick because it's cool and it's fun in order to appeal to a le- readership i mean storytelling in general whenever we are doing any form of storytelling whether it's oral or written it assumes that somebody is listening so mm-hmm. it's not a solitary act of course if the author did this as an intellectual experiment and kept it in their private journal then it's their business it's none of ours but the moment it's put out in the form of a book i think it assumes that readers will want to read it and hopefully get something out of it so there yeah mm-hmm. i i am i'm not too sure how far this um pure intellectual experiment what can we do with words how far that can go without as susanna mentioned theming related to something which a reader can connect to mm-hmm. yeah for for me in that case was i didn't connect to the characters um oh yeah me, me neither so. it was just that one cool idea where i was like oh nice you did this <laughs> other than that yeah despicable characters <laughs> if anybody connects to them and we're like okay okay gulp um what was I, what was i going to say um i wanted to ask a bit about the two cousins of slipstream since we one is magical realism which is going to come in at some point and i was wondering if uh, maybe jose could tell us a bit about how he got introduced or tell us just a little bit about magical realism because i'll be honest i still don't know what magical realism is properly and how it differs from fantasy 
Me? You're, you're expecting me to be able to... I, I don't know. I mean, I fell into Gabriel Garcia Marquez because at school, one of his shorter books was required reading one year. But it was one of his journalistic books. It was the tale of, um, of a seaman that you know falls off a boat and he gets uh, he's, he stays at sea for like a Colombian seaman in the 80s and he falls at sea and he, eventually he gets rescued and then Garcia Marquez sort of um, retold his story and, and published the book can't remember what it called in English but anyway so then obviously from there I heard about 100 Years of Solitude my grandmother bought it for me and then I, I read that, but I was quite young. I, I got a little bit lost. And then from that, I carried on with Loving the Time of the Cholera, which I loved, but you've already said it's not quite magic realism. So um, I don't know. I, I Not so much anymore these days, but before, you know, up until 10 years ago, my, my reading palette was a lot wider than it is now. Um, and for us, I don't know, Susana, but... For us in, you know, Spanish-speaking people, all the South American and Spanish classics are sort of required reading part of the culture, you know, Borges, mm -hmm. Cortázar, um, you know, the Spanish classics from the 17th century, I've read them all. And then José uh, Saramago, um, I've read, I think, a couple of his books as well. So it's just, you know, for me, it's, it's part of my culture, possibly, you know, for Steve or... I don't know, Paramita, because you seem to read everything, but maybe for British or North American culture, you know, the Spanish language classics are not so well known. Um, Marquez is, uh, I mean, I, the English translation, I mean, Marquez is very, very beloved here where I live. In both the local bookstores, there is one shelf full of Marquez titles. So, uh, it's, it's, I think despite the differences in the specifics of history, there are so many things which are relatable. For example, in my, my mother tongue, Bengali, family sagas are a huge thing. And there are magic, there are what we would call magical realism elements in them very strongly, particularly when we are going to uh, descriptions of nature, or particularly when some cataclysmic event is about to happen. It's a very, very, it's used in a different way. So I would not call it magical realism, but yes, it has that familiarity. And so naturally, I think we gravitate towards this literature, um, this, this rich body of literature, and it strikes home, which is why there's this continued uh, love for Marquez, at least where I live. Right. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I don't know. There's there's whole shelves or sections dedicated, but it, it's they're they're appreciated. I think they're they're somewhat well known. Uh, certain certain circles they are, but I think most sadly, I think most most readers are reading like you know romance or cozy, uh, you know, the easily digestible stuff. Sadly. There's anything wrong with romance. Love in the time yeah. of cholera has has elements of, we can say, 
a very very well, I don't know whether I would call it romance but it's 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 about uh, it's definitely about what it is in the title it's about love and it's about different manifestations it's, it's a very very powerful book like that so it's all those elements are there i i don't think i would call it cozy but there are some very beautiful scenes in love in the time of cholera but i guess it's like i didn't know this until somebody who knew told me it's also all these historical things woven in so it's not just the story itself but it's all these other things that are there in the background sort of mapped out in a very which which holds meaning to readers but i didn't get that because i didn't know uh, maybe if i if i looked it up i would have appreciated it better but somebody told me later on and they told me the same thing with 100 years of solitude i was like ha huh, this is uh, it at some points it get it gets a bit disorienting in the story 100 years of solitude but uh, then one of my friends who has read the book and who knew the history told me about what was being done the colombian uh, you know this this microcosm of what the nation is is encapsulated or parts of the history of the nation encapsulated in one book with a family saga uh, it it was beautiful and that opening line my god <laughs> two things um so one on the magic realism so pa- paulo coelho would it be you know um magical realism the alchemist i really like that book but i don't know whether it is cons- i mean the problem is that i don't know because the literati looked down upon that book and magical realism is very much dominated by the literati so by literati i just mean literary fiction people yeah. they would be like ah the alchemist is because it was a popular best seller and like ah this is just a self help book and so blah 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 i really liked alchemist both times i read it i will admit that this is many many years ago i also liked many of his other books i mm. i read i mean paulo coelho was very very popular at one time so he had multiple of his books i mean there's one called devil and miss prim or devil yeah so yeah that was another book i really liked and there was one but, with the mount with the mountain something like this so that's another quite a few titles i think Sorry, it qualifies I... definitely I'm just going to drop something and then quickly move the conversation on, so you don't make me explain the situation. But I did end up once discussing the alchemist with a hooker in Amsterdam. But anyway, so we are sort of one, almost one hour into the chat. Could we come up like with a? I was end up writing like lists of books and stuff whenever we have chats. So like, can we come up with like five slipstream books that like for someone interested? or delve deeper in i mean obviously apart from susana's books so we've talked about cloud atlas hmm. did we reckon house of leaves do we count that in as well no, no probably not light okay, yes light by m john harrison yes okay uh, i would say borges S- yes no probably not i would disagree with, I... Bor- with borges actually Fair where is the f- Where's the fantasy and the sci-fi? I mean I like that's the thing for my definition I those don't have to be <laughs> and if you think about the thought experiments like yes if you say fantasy secondary world yes no it's not there but if you think of fantasy as again imagination 
what could be thought experiments, then Library of Babel is possibly fantasy. It could be. Uh, Garden of Walking, Walking Paths has elements of sci-fi because the definition of the Walking Path includes multiple timelines, parallel universes, those sort of things. So it's sort of baked in, but he never goes very explicit on it in the way that we would identify it. Would so be what, so my thing. But I'm... So we've only got two books then. Um, so well, I'm going to read uh, other titles. One I will definitely say yes is Ice by Anna Kavan. It hmm. is a brilliant book. It's a very creepy book, but I mean it's a well, it's not creepy, it's disorienting. It's this not time, not uh, you know, setting is not mentioned, but it's post-apocalyptic. Everything has gone to hell, nuclear waste, cold winter, blah blah. And this person is pursuing this girl. And is it fever dream? What is real? What is not? Nobody knows. Is it science fiction? Is it dystopian? It, it's, it's a bizarre book. And yes, I think Eyes by Anakawan is like a book which, even if you ignore the slipstream label, just as science fiction, it's very, very good. Add it to okay. my list. Okay. And also it's published by Penguin Classics, which has Penguin in it. So we know that that's how we know it's good. Right. So I was kind of prepared for a question like this. And uh, after struggling to find, you know, apart from Cloud Atlas Light, Annihilation, I, I will include Annihilation on it because it has elements and it has more elements than the books that I picked, to be fair. So I, I picked a few books that have, I, I would call it almost like Slipstream Light. It, it, they have Slipstream elements into it, even though they are mainly either fantasy or science fiction. But I, I can see some of the elements there. And Paramita, uh, you're going to, I don't know. Maybe you will agree. I don't know. Uh, but you, you're going to hate my, my, my first suggestion, I know. So one of them is Hyperion, which is mainly science fiction, but because it is several stories in different genres with a common theme throughout, and they have, you know, all the... Um, I think it's one of my favorite books of all time. Again, just sorry, Parameter, and it's what it is. Um... So it has the, lit the literary elements, the science fiction elements, and the fantasy elements. And uh, so it, it is, in a way, it, it, it requires a little bit of work to understand what's going on. And it's awesome when you get to the end and you, you figure it out. It's, so you're going to scream? Because you hate it the book? No, I, I finished <laughs> crying and... I really like two of the stories out of the seven. So I really like the scholar's tale and the poet's tale. So, mm -hmm. yes. So, yeah, there's always something to like. Anyway, um, the other one, I don't know if you read, but I, 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 can, I can imagine. Uh, so it's The Reality Dysfunction by Peter Hef uh, Hamilton. Again, it's, it's space opera, science fiction, but it has 
elements of slipstream. It, it, it just it, it doesn't cross the, lit, the, the literary tick, let's put it this way, but a lot of what's going on there, <clears throat> it gets really weird. I mean, I, even ghosts have ghosts. It's, it's, I have to read it again because it's just immense. Um, I wouldn't classify it as slipstream, but it does require a little bit of attention and work to read it, if nothing else, because it's so long and so, so out there. So, yeah, so for those who like science fiction, I would recommend that. Uh, in the realms of lit of uh, magic realism, I would recommend Balthazar and Blimunda. Um, it kind of ticks all the boxes, but it's it's kind of a hybrid between magic realism and slipstream because it it still it it has a bit of the fantastical elements, but it's still very grounded in a. Uh, I want to say structure, but the mindset of magic realism, which I think you didn't like that one either. So it's, it's going great. I really like the beginning and then I lost my way. I, I really like <laughs> the first 20%. I, 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 and the f- opening is just, I, I was really clicking with the humor. And then I, I don't, again, I wondered whether this is where I'm missing context, whether that's historical or maybe something else. Because I didn't look anything yeah, it, up when I read it. Yeah, it's it's very good. The 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 mindset. Um, I I found it harder. I read it. I got it in English and started reading, and I found it much harder to read in English. Um, you, you, I really need mm. to read it with a Portuguese mindset, if that makes sense to to make sense of the book. It's uh, so yeah. It's, it's not easy, I guess, <laughs> to recommend. <laughs> to be, uh, yeah, you should read it with a Portuguese mindset. Uh, so those wanna, were my uh, three recommendations. Yep. I want to go back to something Paramita asked before. So what books have you, Steve and Susanna, have you read that has made you feel uneasy or uncomfortable or like not knowing quite what's going on. Malazan? <laughs> <laughs> <With Yeah. you. laughs> no, it, it, it made me feel, yeah, just... But for different like, reasons. For different for reasons. Different yeah. reasons. Not, not because of what we're discussing today. For me, it's today. anything... A, a recent read is anything by Kafka. I read The Castle by Kafka and I have no idea what was going on. I was like, yeah. I, I, I read the trial, which is, um, which is, I would say easier, easier in the sense it's a take on bureaucracy and it can be read as such. But his complete stories and then the castles, some of his complete stories were just, uh, I was like, what? And then, and I mean, this is the I, I don't know what the answer to this is, but does there have to be a point or can it just be weird? And for me, it just cannot, I, I, I mean, I'm not the reader for that. Like if it's just weird without some theming, and if I'm not getting the theming, which is much more likely, I'm, I feel so uneasy that I don't know what to do. I get frustrated. The so Kafka is my answer, actually, but I'm interested to hear what uh, Susanna and Steve come up with. Yeah. Malazan, I, I was like that even at the end of book 10, Steve. It's not my proudest moment. <laughs> You're not alone. 
Oh. Um, uh, looking, I'm looking through my list now. Go ahead, Susanna. Well, uh, not many. I have, uh, I have to say, like uh, properly um, weird. Uh, to come to mind, uh, one recently. I wouldn't say you know bad weird, uh, but it it, um, it made me want to understand it better. I really enjoyed it in a way it was the. Um, Tiger, Tiger, or the, the Stars, My Destination that we read for the sci-fi masterworks. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, but it was more in the sense that I, I, I knew that I really should hate that character and, and I should hate everything going on. And, and I didn't, but there was one bit that I was, I was very uncomfortable reading just, oh, if, if this is going to continue this way, I'm going to stop because this, my my brain just can't deal with. And another book that has nothing to do with Slipstream, but it made me feel it had that sense of weirdness throughout, even though it's not classified as weird fiction at all. I don't I don't know how it is classified. It was Equinox. I can't hmm. remember the name of the author. But I think that that was the closest I felt, even though I don't think it's a horror book either, but it was the closest I felt to a book that had an atmosphere for lack of a better description. But it still didn't answer the question. I will need to go through the list and find books that make me feel weird. Um, the reality dysfunction made me feel very weird, mostly because I had no idea what was going on for most of the time. <laughs> Steve? Um, looking through my list, a um, couple of them that would the only good Indians be? I know there's fantasy or stuff. Yes, I read that recently. Yeah. Steve, I didn't get it. What was that? I don't know. That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> um, another one, which is a graphic novel, is Nameless. I don't know, by Grant Morrison. Not sure if anyone's read that. I think that would probably yeah. fit the bill for Slipstream. Grant, Grant Morrison, you're gonna get you're gonna get weirdness with Grant mm. Morrison. That's that's what he does. Um, a book that I despised as things have gotten worse since we last spoke. Uh, that may, maybe, I don't know. Maybe just cause I hated it so much. Um, let's see what else. Um, I was looking through, um, another one that stuck out to me was, where was it? <laughs> Sorry. This is riveting, uh, podcast <laughs> material. Uh, the hay bale. <laughs> by Priscilla Bettis. It's a novelette. It's only 42, 42 pages long, but it's a, it's a powerful story, but it's I'm not quite sure I understood it. And I'm not quite, it's one of those ones where you, you wonder if it's left vague, just so you can kind of draw your own conclusions on what it all, what it all meant. And is mm. that, is that slipstream? I've never heard of it. I, I still don't know what slipstream is. So I'll say sure. <laughs> Uh, another one, well, negative is, space, and, which and is anything is pretty much anything you don't like, except light. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I like Boris. No? Um, I I read that only good Indians. I mean, this is a bit of that since Steve mentioned it, and I really wanted to like it. The beginning was so good, and mm. then I totally. I don't even want to say because my friend who recommended me this was scandalized by what I said. I was bored. 
and they, they were like are you how can you be bored like that is the worst thing you say you hated it that is different but i was like no i don't hate it at all i was just bored. they're like you did not get it and i was like yes i did not get it but i i heard that there was some very good theming in there mm-hmm. so i mean i mean stephen graham jones is an author in general who i think is one to look out for um him and another author who is on my radar but his books are very hard to find uh, is michael sisko so he 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 writes these books i i think it's weird fiction it's not slipstream but it is it's related so he's got divinity student and he's got this book called animal money and it just it's bizarre 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 out there stuff steve is like i'm going to schedule a read along right now <laughs> i i totally feel like you would like it Uh, I I don't know about uh, well I'm not sure about Susanna and Jose so much Divinity Student my, you might like but Animal Money I started it and I was like I can't do this it's 800 pages and I was like I can't do it. Yeah, can. Michael Sisko's is uh very uh <laughs> I don't mean to pause this on a bad. He's a very nice person. He's very intelligent and um uh, Yeah. Um and his wife is a very a very skilled uh writer as well. Uh Farrow Smith. Oh. Mm. Hmm. I just found a book which made me so uncomfortable. I I I don't know what to say. This is honestly a book I would say anybody please don't read it. I beg you. Okay. <laughs> and the book actually showed up on a slipstream list. Uh, oh. the science fiction author Christopher Priest he made up he made a list of 10 slipstream books and this was on it it's crash by jg ballard uh it is can... one of the most revolting things i have read in my life why why yeah i I, i would call it, it 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 misses the the other elements yeah you you can't just make in the list just it's 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 more than just make you feel strange no, and and anyone can feel strange about any book for example i just um the tea, the tree body problem i had mm. I, i was anxious throughout you know and i, I thought it was mm. very strange as well i hope the tv series or movie or whatever they're doing it's going to enlighten me a little bit because i i haven't had the courage to reread it and but i wouldn't classify it as slipstream you know strange is just mm. not enough confused I, mean, i think the it more is the word confused yeah it seems like a lot of people have their own interpretation of that essay in 1989 with where the movement was coined i i mean sorry where the term was coined and then it like different authors have sort of taken it in different ways which is mm. kind of what has happened to weird fiction as well yeah i guess it's, it's, hard to think but i mean i i would take it as uh, hey if you like mind bending stuff here are some interesting titles to read and maybe we we'll look them up and we we'll find something interesting yeah yeah i i got nothing other than uh, kafka which freaked me out recently <laughs> i i i was never able to get into it Uh, then again, I haven't tried in English, and it's just 
in Portuguese. Mm. In, in, in my teens, it was all the hype. Uh, and I, I, I just, I could just, what the hell is uh, this? I just, I just realized this based on what Susanna said about Balthazar and Vimunda. Jose, how, how, how well does 100 Years of Solitude or Love in the Time of Cholera translate into English for you? Have you read any of the novels in English and then seen whether things are lost? I've read the... Go ahead, you probably know them. I only have one book. No, no, no. I was going to say, I personally wouldn't read them in English because, you know, I'll read them in the vernacular. It's the same way that all my... All my fantasy, I read it in English because why would I read a translation? Mm. Um, it's only when I get to the more exotic languages that I don't know what translation works best. I don't know from Japanese to English or Japanese to Spanish. I think it's pretty much dependent on whether you go somewhere decent there. But um, no, but it, I mean, and the thing, I don't know if this gets, it probably it does get lost in translation. Latin American Spanish and Spanish from Spain, we use the same words, but sometimes we speak a different language. Like there are sentences in 100 Years of Solitude that I don't know what they mean um, mm-hmm. because, you, you know, you change certain nouns in a sentence and I don't know that they're going to eat corn by the lake because it could be anything else. Like I, I did not understand the words they were using. Um, so some... Some grammatical constructions and some words make a big difference. So it's not an easy read for me, even though it's in Spanish. Some authors, less issues than others. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's about it, really. I guess yeah, I'm not adding much to the conversation at this point. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Jose. I think you asked this when we talked to um, Josh Erickson early thing it came up about symmetric realism is burning the lines between fantasy and reality mm-hmm. it refers to literature with magical or supernatural phenomena based in an otherwise real world and mundane setting. So what's the difference between magic realism and urban fantasy? The mindset. I would say for me, Magic, when we, for me, magic realism is not magic in the way we understand wizards and spells and, you know, rituals, cantrips, whatever. Magic realism is like, a, it's, it's, it's a real world, real life setting, but the events the, and the happenings are so unlikely that it's almost magic. Like, Again, you know, we go back to um, Love in the Time of the Cholera, which we can discuss whether it is or is not. But the fact that you got this couple whose love was frowned upon by society, uh, you know, and he remains faithful to her throughout all his life, albeit from the waist up. And they finally get together, like in their old age, and they finally allow their love to happen, is, is that sort of you know, very sort of fairly whimsical, um, sort of romantic, sort of feel-good thing oh. about it. 
Sorry. <laughs> he. Okay. A little aside. We'll we'll go back to magic realism in a bit. That how how is that romantic? How is anything romantic in love in a time of cholera? This is a guy who wants his cake, want to have his cake and eat it. Under the pretext of this love, he goes around and he sleeps with a thousand women. At least he keeps he keeps a notebook yes. for crying out loud. He keeps you know record. Yes. Yes. And no, that's yes. not love. I'm sorry. It, no. no. <laughs> well, I'm too busy laughing. I I hear you and I agree with you. Oh. And maybe speaks about my personality. But when I was reading the book, I was kind of thinking like, oh, I wish I had a life yeah, like that. Not, not, I bet it's no, every no, no, man's not a, dream. Not a life of, no, 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 no. Not, not a life of sleeping with a thousand women. That gets, ty- that gets tiring. I, I mean about, <laughs> you know, eventually finding like your true love that you've we all remember that high school crush, you know, that first crush that we had on someone, right, Steve? And can you imagine that in your old age, you know, you had your life, you had your wife, your family, your kids, you know, your wife passes away, whatever, and in your old age, you rekindle that love, that first love that you had when you were 13, 14, or whatever. It's, it's that kind of sort of magical thing about it. Um, that is quite endearing, or I found quite endearing. Obviously, we can discuss the morality of the character, but um, this and, and it's making what you can. You know, what you're rightly pointing out as particularly creepy and not very morally uh, or very ethically high high brow. It makes it palatable and it makes it endearing. I don't know. But, yeah. That's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. Okay. Again, maybe it says something about my personality. Yeah. No, you you're not the only one. I just I it it's it I can't I I don't get it. I I think that, that that's not love at all. Uh and, and I don't think there's a lot yeah, I, of I, I, um, magic realism elements in it, to be fair, compared with like 100 years of solitude, yeah, for example. You're right. which, it's, yeah, it's like one element. It's, I think there's a, like a spectra at one point. So, but it's, it's, it's very, very light. 100, which is why I think 100 years of solitude is used as the, the founding, the text. I would say 100 years of solitude and then Midnight's Children and then The Famished Road. <laughs> from three different cultures are sort of the... Mm-hmm. the, the so, uh, 100 Years of Solitude, uh, it's, it's interesting because the first time I read it, I was like uh, 14, 15 years old, and I read it in Portuguese both times. Oh. And I, not knowing what I was reading pretty much, um, I, I read it quite literally, so it didn't make sense. So my, my, my first read of the book, I wasn't in a mindset, I don't know if it was a translation or whatever, but I, I read stuff very literally and I thought, wow, this is, this doesn't make any sense. It's awful. This ending, what the hell is going on? And then later on in my twenties, I had nothing else to do. It was in a dark period of my life that I had not, didn't have a lot of possessions and those were the, 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 the few books left. And I read it again, having read a lot 
um, since then. I already started writing and everything. So it just clicked what was going on, how uh, all the metaphors, all the allegories, all the, and suddenly that ending, wow, just, I, I was floored. It was one of those books that I just closed it and I stood, I just looked at the ceiling for about an hour, just trying to process it all. So there's that, it, the mindset, I think, is as important as the translation. Mm. Yes, I, I've tried and failed twice. I mean, <laughs> to like it, not to finish it. I did finish it, but oh, I, I, magical realism is... Like is, is a strong word. It's a very... Um, you almost want to, to kill yourself afterwards. <laughs> it's the most depressing book ever. <laughs> Is it? It suddenly it, because I read it in a in a very low point in my life, and actually after reading it, I was like, okay, it could be worse. It could be much worse. Now, <laughs> perspective. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that works. Yeah. I think having the realism and the magic together just doesn't work for me. Um, just feels off. Mm. Is it fair to say that magic realism is most used in YA? No, that's urban fantasy. Magical realism. You, you need to... to be mature to understand the all those allegories, I think. Hmm. I can't imagine a YA magic realism book that'd be scary I think The Alchemist is YA magic realism and some of the stuff That's that Koya you wrote esoteric self-help I mean yes it is It is suitable for I mean I read it as a young adult which is very true Yeah, it's a very good book a very, I still don't get the hate for it but okay I, I guess it's, it's too easy I think it's a nice entry book for like young, yeah. like teenagers to read something. Okay, a bit so, more. so I guess I, I'm I'm stuck at entry level because anytime I try to level up, it's like no. Midnight's Children is the one with uh, because there I actually know the history. But oh my god, the circles Rushdie makes us run through in the first. Uh, hundred pages. I, mean, I I gave up. I I could not even finish it. It's, it's, oh my god! This is yeah. But uh, people who sorry? no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I I was gonna say people who have read it, who have read Midnight's Children, say that it is a, uh, and loved it. Have said say that it's one of the most phenomenal books, if not one the phenomenal book that they have read in their lives. Kind of it occupies that position. The way 100 Years of Solitude does for many people. Hmm. Many, many readers. And globally, globally, not just Spanish, Spanish readers. There's a, a list of YA uh, magical realism books. And surprised yeah. to see this here on the list hmm. is The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Mm. Is, it magical, is it magical realism? 
I mean, magical realism is very... I mean, it depends on how you want to define it. But yes, uh, in the sense of... um, But I, I think magical realism has a connection with history in terms of bringing in historical background to the slightly out there elements. And there's a sense of, I don't know how to put this, but if you read a magical realism novel, you know that it's magical realism. For me, the ocean of, at the end of the lane is very much fantasy. Hmm. It's, it's, yes, you can, I can't think of a reason why I would call it magical realism. I'm not sure. It's, I, I mean, this is after my Latin American reading project. I would have put, I would have said yes to this, that, um, you know, magical realism and fantasy. Why is the term? But I now I feel it has a historical connection with the development of literature in Latin America and the boom. So I would hesitate to call ocean magical realism now. But this is me being nitpicky, maybe. I, I think it's wise to hear others' opinions as well. Uh, what, what about... So we are talking about... Um, English and Spanish and Portuguese and all that. Uh, is there is there any books in India that uh, explore these themes or that play with with the with the narrative in in this way oh, that we don't know about? Because yeah, would Life of Pi and Q and A be magical realism? Life of Pi, sure. It's a very weird book. I, I, I really, I really like the book. Yes, why not? And Q and A again. If you want to be very, very pedantic about it, it, and if you want to reserve the term magical realism for that phenomenon in Latin American literature, which has then gone global. Then no, but otherwise yes. And in in the definition that Steve read out, yes. I would say that Q and A is magical realism. And for those unaware, Q and A is the book that um, was turned into the movie Slam Dog Millionaire. So the original title of the book was Q and A, and you know hmm. it's that you know kid from a you know destitute background that through his different experiences in life is capable of, you know, beating the Indian version of who wants to be a millionaire. And it's a sort of impossibility of odds that makes it almost magical, maybe. Interesting. Steve is... I, I was shaking. not connecting what Q&A is. is and... It is the original title of the it, book. It is not a very well-liked novel here. Is it not? <laughs> Go on. No, Why not, not at all. Why not? Uh, I, what happens I enjoyed when... the novel. I, I, I haven't even read it, but, so I'm not going to... I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it, but it is not well-liked in the sense I have never seen it on bookshelves, on local bookshelves here. I, I just looked it up. My guess is it is a depiction of India because I just looked up the author. He was a foreign secretary, which means that most of his postings would have been 
in other nations might be a depiction it it might be the thing that when uh, you know when NR, when non resident indians write indian novels they just sometimes feel a bit off i i have read novels like that which and they of course they write in english language many of them are resident in america something is just very very off and it doesn't work so but again i have not read the book so i don't know maybe it's very good but good, good old prejudice good, good. discussed talked so sounds like good old prejudice there in the same way as when hollywood <laughs> tries to depict the spain in the movies or something like that but I, it could be I, 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 I was not a very big fan of the movie the child the childhood parts were very good but when they grew up i think the childhood parts were excellent the early questions were excellent but then it became a bit cliche honestly Mm-hmm. But what was the fantastical element Jose I mean in the book I'm asking No no there's no fantastical Ah uh, oh, okay it, 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 well I suppose the fantastical element would be you know this this chain of events in ah, his okay. life that led him to be able mm-hmm. to to know you know he just related every question to something that he had lived in his life which you know it's almost magic And we were worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> well, to be honest, we've we've completely digressed into magical realism from the first 20 minutes of a slipstream. But Seems we like knew that was going to happen. Yeah. yeah that was inevitable. The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida is a great book. It's the only book which has magical realism as one of the labels that I loved. Read it. It won the 2022 Booker. Yeah, the thing about Slipstream is that it, it is so niche. It's and I, I don't think it actually uh, maybe hasn't defined itself yet properly. Um, it still is still trying to to find its way. I mean, for me, it's it needs to have um, those fantastical elements, a little bit of sci-fi. Um, the the metaphysical uh, aspects lots of allegories and humor and just a lot of introspection and a good puzzle a good puzzle to solve i it just clicked on me and i haven't mm-hmm. read it but i suspect and it's on my tbr at some point maybe in the next few years the comic book uh, the inkal by jodorowsky that's got to be slipstream i never the what sorry the inkal which is the um, it's the comic that kind of influenced the the fifth element movie oh oh well, comics i don't know but like okay just say, so you read a little bit of oblie right and you dnf yes. and that's fine because you know yes. as you told me you <laughs> you you were in uh, in this you know sci-fi environment right what you thought it was kind of yeah. 
yes. And then you encountered a dwarf, and yes. the whole world collapsed. <laughs> there was too much going on for me. My mind couldn't cope with everything. I there was it was everything. You, you threw the kitchen sink at me. I, I didn't know if I was reading fantasy, mythology, gods, sci-fi. There was too many things going on. And it's, like I said at the very beginning, it, it was mental gymnastics. I couldn't, I couldn't handle everything that was happening there. Sorry. And I really, I never wanted to have this conversation. So sorry. <laughs> No, no, but, I, it was too much for me. No, you, you, are, you are a perfect example. I, I, I was laughing when I got your email. And, I was like, and, then, and then there was a dwarf. And it's like, yeah, that's 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 perfectly fine. <laughs> just was too much. I was laughing. I said, okay. So Jose is not, is not my, my audience. But it it helps me understand. I always said, and I said this for me as well. You know, even if yeah. you... Don't even if you stop, just tell me where you stopped, and that helps me figure it out. You know, I think how to kind of uh, I don't know work things around. But maybe, maybe I've got the, the books I tend to not engage with, and I hardly ever DNF. Is where I get thrown straight into the action without getting a bit of a background on who the characters are and what motivates them, and why they do the things they do. And I think, you, uh, the, you know, uh, your book did that. We had these two siblings that off, you know, straight off, away they went, and these people joined them, and then everything else that you put around them. And I, I just, I couldn't cope. I, <laughs> I found it really, really difficult. Understanding the world, I, I didn't know where I was. I think... Um, that. Sometimes when we jump into a fantasy book, you sort of, you, you, you don't know the world, but it's familiar, medieval European fantasy setting. Okay, I sort of know where I am. Or, or if mm -hmm. you do this world, you know, you eventually get there. And, or if you do, I don't know, whatever you you call it, you know, sci-fi, Star Wars, space operas, you sort of know but but with yours, I, I didn't know. It was nothing like like nothing I've read before. And, yeah, but but that, and that, that was, was exactly what I was going for. So <laughs> I, I was very happy with your feedback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if your aim, and I don't put it past you, was to make me feel inadequate, success, <laughs> bullseye, I did. I, 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 yeah. No, not at all. But I don't know. And then there was a dwarf, but you you made it through uh, Wheel of Time. Let's not go there. Let's not. Let's not bring it up every week. Come on, we come on, come to, on. Let's, let's, give, let's okay. give it a break. No, but ch no. check out the Inkel. It's on my it's on my TBR, and, and I think it would be a good. Yeah, I found it. I mean, I found the book. It looks interesting. It, it looks pretty slipstreamy to me. Not, uh, and I just yeah, made the just, connection uh, now. So I was trying to see if there was a, a version that was. That was not in comic form, so I could read it. In no, the, no, in no, graphic no, no, no. The Inkel is. So that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sad. For it's me. In the, it's in the vein of the, you know, the heavy metal magazine from the 80s in, in France. Hmm. Um, it's, it's that kind of real exploration of, um, of the comic as a medium. Um, and you've got the 
the script is by Jodorowsky and the art is um, amazing by Mobius. Hmm. What a lovely name. I mean, I, that's the first thing which I was like, Mobius, and I was like, Mobius strip. So nice. Well, art by John Giraud. Yeah. Mobius. It's his uh, pseudonym, but it's a very nice pseudonym. Yeah. The funny thing about John Giraud is that he did like classic Western comics and he signed those under his real name. And all the sci-fi mm. weird stuff he he did under the Mobius pen name. That is very very nice. I mean, there are a few images here on this book on this thing I'm saying. It's weird. It, it's I don't know whether it's slipstream, but it's definitely weird. Yeah, Humanoids, yeah. interesting. I'm here thinking of a, a little slogan for my marketing efforts. Um, it's not it's not finished yet. But if uh, all, all all I ask from my readers is that they put just a little bit, just a fraction of the effort they put into deciphering Malazan, if they put into my work, uh, that's all <laughs> I ask. And it's a fraction of the pages. I, I need to work that into some sort of marketing slogan. Malasan for idiots. I don't know. Yeah. for dummies. You can do it. If you can't read Malasan, you can't read Timelessness. Come on. Maybe that, yeah, that's going to be my slogan. It'd be a good blurb. Yeah. Yeah. Probably get sued. Uh, yeah. uh, I guess if you mention Malazan, I mean, yeah, it, it will catch people's attention. All I can say, except uh, weird people like me will be like, "What Mala? Run in the other direction." <laughs> Anything uh, I, gets compared to that series now. I just put it on my anti-TBR. I can't do it anymore. Oh my! God. Everything is compared. I, to I will need to read it first to to be sure that it would fit. But is it just the? It, the effort that people put into trying to decipher every little thing, just just a little bit of that effort in my books that are just a third of the pages long, you'll be fine. You'll have a lot of fun. So. <sighs> <laughs> the uh, the time always flies whenever we do these. And I, I was, we were talking before about. <laughs> kind of like, what are we going to talk about? And we, we had all, all these other ideas yeah. to kind of fill the time. And here we are almost two hours later. Um, and we didn't go off yeah. topic too much. I thought we did pretty good. So, no, so final question. The sorry, sorry, for, take, I think. sorry yeah. for taking over, but <laughs> is everyone, is everyone wiser? Uh, is, is, is everyone a bit more crude on after this conversation than at the beginning? Yeah. Well, I, I, had so. I learned three a lot. books. Three, three new books on my TBR, so that's always good. I always yeah, I got some book recs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always good. And I, I mean, I, I thought I, I uh, we could end on a very nice, hopeful note, which Susanna said because she said that slipstream is uh, almost a term which needs to define itself. And we mentioned two books a lot: one which by Jose and one which I think all of you have read is House of Leaves. And like when. Gabriel Garcia Marquez wrote 100 Years of Solitude. He didn't write it saying, hey, I'm going to invent magical realism. Mm -hmm. He wrote it and then 
there was academic discourse built around it and people were inspired that this could be possible in a novel and i mean he he, he transformed the face of literature not just mm-hmm. latin american literature mm-hmm. when mark danielski published house of leaves it was path breaking and whether it is it was a gimmick or whether it was something truly transcendental is up to the reader but it was new and it changed what could be done with literature mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. almost feel like we can end on a hopeful note that we don't know who is out there and maybe even the person is there on this panel we don't know <laughs> but there is, might be someone out there writing the definitive work of lipstream literature somewhere and mm-hmm. maybe when it is fully out there and when it gains readership and appreciation then discourse around slipstream will become easier as mm. it is for magical realism or ergodic literature like house of leaves mm-hmm. i found the conversation inspirational in that sense yeah. yeah i like that idea if if you are out there listening so. get in touch <laughs> yeah that's nice and a hopeful but how often do we end on a hopeful note though that's Weird. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. After, after, See, after last the week. The emotional <laughs> payoff, you know, after the mental exercise. Aye, there you go. That's all it's there about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I learned a lot. I didn't know really a whole lot about Slipstream before. And I uh, feel like I understand a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I never clocked that House of Leaves. Not House of Leaves, God damn it. Um, Cloud Atlas was that. But then, mm-hmm. oh, God, the genre is so wide because Cloud Atlas and Susanna's works are nothing alike. So um, True. Structure-wise and theme-wise, yeah. No, like, and yeah. prose-wise, yeah, no, nothing alike. <laughs> Do not compare me to David Mitchell. <laughs> no, no, but like... It's I mean, not fair. you know, set setting, structure, everything. It's um, yeah, that's the mythology aspect of it. Because right? I, I had to add an mm-hmm. extra layer and then just, you know, make it mythological. Just, just because. It's a very broad net. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, yeah, thank you, you so feel much enlightened, for uh, Jose. Do I feel enlightened? Do you feel <sighs> like you learned something? Yeah, but I always feel like I make a fool of myself in these conversations. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking now oh, I shouldn't have joined. <laughs> I should have just listened to the podcast and and you know, um, so I would say to my students, so it's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're stupid than to open your mouth. I confirm expectations, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, def- definitely, definitely. These, these conversations are always um, edifying. But um, I don't know if I would like to have Steve. You, you've got long reach. We c- if we could get someone from an academic background to, to get 
So I suppose I'm looking for free lectures on, <laughs> on, on literature or something like that. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So, something else. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 isn't Leila some sort of scholar? Of sorts? Professor, yeah. She's, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure we could figure something out. Mm-hmm. I think that would be nice. Literature genres 101 in two hours. All you ever needed to know. Yeah, that that would be awesome. I'm, I'm reading the OG literature novel, so if I, I mean, you know, so if I if I finish it, then I can like deliver a five minute talk on <laughs> and help everyone fall asleep. <laughs> I, I fully am. I volunteer to do that. Nice. That's a that's a problem. Yeah, we're gonna hold you to that then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, you got yourself in trouble now. Yeah, exactly. But so, yeah, it was fun. It was a good, yeah, it was a good one. Right? Yeah, it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. So, until next time, uh, Susanna, where can people find you and your work? I uh, I can be found on X and um, at Den of the Weird on YouTube. Uh, on X, I'm on as a chronodendron, but if you Google me, you'll find me. And uh, my books can be found anywhere. The series is named Timelessness. First book is Weird Gods. You can't miss it. And I have a new standalone novel coming up next March called Oblier. Available for for pre-order now? Yes. yes. (laughs) And Paramita, where can people find you and argue with you about uh, Mm -hmm. literature? Uh, so I'm available on the paid chewing forum, which are hosted by Steve, who is also the host of this podcast. And I'm there quite regularly. Yeah, every once in a while. <laughs> and uh, how Sarah can people find you? Uh, mostly my YouTube channel, Hostess Amazing Worlds, and also in the pagechewing.com forums. Nice. I can also be found there. It's the best place to find me. So come and say hello and lecture us on literature if you're brave enough. Please. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone have a great weekend. We'll, we'll talk soon. Bye.